I hope that as God has spoken through these words that uh, He's begun to make a difference in your life through more love as He loves, joy that's not predicated on our circumstances, peace that completes us and makes us whole. Like we talked about last week, patience. Patience that overlooks the faults of those around us, those we love. Patience that costs us something. Patience. And really, you know, these are just the same side, different sides of the same fruit. You understand that? This is not like some people have patience, some people have love, some people have joy. It's all the same fruit. We're just looking at, at it from different angles. And some of the angles tend to look a little bit of a lo- little bit alike. And patience, kindness, and goodness are three of those that are really interrelated. And they are attributes of love, as they all are. But these three are really tied to love. And as we get going today, I uh, hope you get ready to pick some fruit. What I want you, don't want you to do is pick the fruit of the person next to you. You know, if you've been in the church in a long time, we say, I ain't judging, I'm just picking fruit. Uh, you're not to pick somebody else's fruit today. I want you to go pick it in your own orchard. Pick your own fruit as we talk about kindness today. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Why don't you read these with me? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Lord, may in the next few moments, uh, your words not be my words, but may they be yours. Words that you've appointed for us to hear, because we need to hear them. Lord, as we hear them, may they just not go into our ears and stop there, but may they sink into our minds and flow into our hearts and be exhibited in our lives. May we be changed today because of your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What's the fruit of the Spirit today? Kindness. Kindness. That seems to be a lost word, is it, these days? It's not what it used to be. It used to be that that was, it was rare to not experience kindness on an everyday basis, right? Common courtesy. Uh, just people being nice to you. It used to be, back in the days of Mayberry, as Rascal Flats sang, where you could sit on your front porch and... Uh, Everybody was just kind and nice, and I realized that it maybe really wasn't like that, but there was a degree of civility we had that maybe has been lost, and now we hear tales of young men being beaten up in McDonald's by a group of people while others, bystanders, film it to post it on YouTube and don't do anything about it. Where's the kindness gone? I can tell you it's not completely dead, even in the secular world. The world's not all bad. Julio Diaz, the young man, uh, a 
social worker in, in New York City. He uh, made his way from the, the train from his office to his home every day, and he would always stop off one stop early to his favorite diner. By the way, you can hear this story on NPR on, uh, on their website. You can, uh, it's part of their StoryCorps program where it's just stories of people that they share. Uh, it's a great, great opportunity just to hear experiences from people. But this is one of the stories, and Julio is saying that he did what he did every day. Got the train, young man behind him, and as he got out of the train, the young man pulled a knife on him and said, give me your money. So Julio took his wallet and handed it over to him, and the young man turned around and left. And as he's going up the stairs, Julio says, hey, hold on a second, you forgot something. If uh, you obviously are hurting and need some, some money, don't have enough resources in your life, so um, it's cold outside. If you're going to be doing this all night, why don't you take my coat? The guy turned around and said, what? Yeah, really, why don't you just take my coat too? He's looking at me and he's saying, uh, this is what Julio says, and he said, why are you doing this? And Julio says, I don't know. But if you're willing to risk your freedom for a few dollars, then I guess you really need the money. All I wanted to do was to go to dinner. And if you'd like to join me, you can follow me if you want. So Julio made his way out of the platform, up the steps, down the street to his favorite diner, and sat down and had a conversation with this kid. And as soon as he sat down, Julio was a regular there, so everybody came and says hi to him, and uh, the, the cook, the, the waitress, the, the dishwashers even came out and said, hey, Julio, and the guy says, well, are you the owner of this place? He said, no, I just, I just was taught to be nice to people, and if you're nice to people, people will be nice to you too. And then he looked at the guy and said, so what do you want out of life? And he said the young man just turned his head down, face down with no answer, no answer. Well, the bill came, and Julio looks at the young man and says, um, I'd love to pay, but you got my wallet. If you give it back to me, I'll treat you. And so the guy, no, not thinking, gave him his wallet back. But he said, I gave him a 20. He said, he gave him a 20, and he said, but I want, to, I want you to give me one more thing. Give me your knife. So the young man reached into his pocket and gave Julio his knife too. And he went home and he told his mom that story. It says his words, that's the last kind of story you want to tell your mom, that you were mugged in the subway. But when, after he told the story, he said, I'm not surprised. You're the kind of kid who, if somebody asked you for the time of day, you would take the watch off your wrist and give it to him. Kindness. It's no wonder that Julio became a social worker. Don't know what kind of faith he has, but I can tell you he understands kindness in a way that many of us don't. Kindness. Kindness is one of those words, though, that it's hard to define. I actually tried to look it up. You know what, it's, what kindness means? This is the Webster's Dictionary definition of kindness. Ready? Are you ready? You sure? To be kind. Thank you, Miriam. I appreciate that. Uh, that was great. It helped me out. 
kindness. It, it, it's hard those you can't define it, but you know it when you see it, right? You know it when you experience it, and you know it when you don't experience it. Kindness. What does it look like? Well, in the Old Testament, the word that we translate as, new te- as kindness in the New Testament, they translated it as goodness. We understand that, right? To be good. And it talks specifically about God's goodness. God's goodness looks like this. It's the verse we read, we read earlier today. Give thanks to the Lord of heaven's armies, the Lord of hosts, it may be in your translation, for the Lord is good. And to describe that goodness, His faithful love endures forever. What, the, what Jeremiah is saying is, God is a God who is God. <laughs> and by being God, He is who He is. He is faithful. He made a covenant with His people, and He's going to act on that covenant. He is faithful. His love endures forever. His covenant faithfulness, His love endures forever. And that's exhibited in His goodness to us. In His provision to us, in His his, uh, leading us, in His acts of salvation in our history. God is good because He acts on our behalf. He acts in our lives. He's generous to us. He provides to us. God is good. His faithful love endures forever. Goodness. And as we go into the New Testament, the word changes a little bit in English. We begin to call it kindness. But once again, like every one of the fruit that we've been talking about, it doesn't start with us. Kindness comes out of the very nature of who God is, just like love, joy, peace, patience does. It is part of who He is. But unlike some of the others, this is probably the most active of any of the, the, the fruit. This is the one we can see most easily. It's the one we most can readily recognize in, in the lives of others. Kindness. And this is how God was kind to us. Romans 2.4. It's the basis of that song we sang uh, earlier called Kindness. Don't you see how wonderfully kind? He describes kind there. How wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you. How many of us can say that about ourselves with others? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient Jimmy is with Michelle? Michelle is with Jimmy. Rich is with Ernie. Ernie is with Thad. John is with Sarah, or really Sarah is with John. I know John very well. Uh, don't you see how incredibly, wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient Sarah is with John? How many of us can describe that with every relationship we have? But Paul goes on uh, and says, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is what actually led you to repentance, to turn you from your sin? It's his kindness that offers grace to you. It's his kindness that said, I'm going to make a way for you to find salvation. I'm going to send my son to bridge that gap for you, to take the penalty for your sins. I'm going to be kind and show you that through my actions here. And Paul says, didn't you see that? How wonderfully kind he is? Then he's writing to Titus. He says, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and his love, he saved us. 
not because the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through the Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. When did salvation take place for us? When did we experience forgiveness of sins? When? When did we experience the Holy Spirit in our lives? When did that take place? When did the opportunity for that to happen come about? When God, our Savior, revealed what? His kindness to us. Kindness is so much deeper than just being nice. Kindness goes to the very heart of who God was and is as He offers salvation to us. Ephesians 4 through 5 and then verse 7 says this, But God is so rich in mercy that He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace that you've been saved, by the way, he reminds us. And then in verse 7 he says, So God can point to us, we who have been saved by His grace, in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. He says, look around at you. Hear the testimonies of where people were before Christ, how they met Christ, and what's happened afterwards, and you see God's kindness. We are examples of His kindness in this world. We are changed. We are transformed. We are not what we were. We've been taken out of death and given life. We are different. We are the examples of His kindness. If you haven't experienced God's kindness, what are you waiting for? Jonathan Edwards described God as an angry God. In his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, he pictured us dangling on a string over the fires of hell, just waiting to be snipped and dropped forever, eternally lost. As we talked about last week, God's patience with us will end. There will come a time where repentance is no longer an option. But in the meantime, He's made it abundantly clear and freely open to anyone who asks through His kindness. God is kind, He is the source of kindness. So what is kindness? Kindness is merciful, gracious, loving, patient deeds. You can't be kind without showing it. What's a kind person? Well, I don't know. They never showed me kindness. You've been in the presence of someone that was, ex that was just kind, haven't you? You go away from that time with them better, fuller, richer. You just feel good about yourself because you experience kindness. I remember a gentleman by the name of Enoch Finkley. He was the Methodist pastor in our town. 
And he and my dad were really good friends, and he actually pastored three charges uh, in the, the Pelion area. Uh, and uh, he was just a, the nicest guy you ever met. And to a kid, you know how, how uh, a kid experiences niceness, kindness, through stuff, through tangible gifts like candy. And every time I would see Brother Finkley, every time he would have something in his coat pocket for us. Every time we would see him, he would go to my dad and he, my, he'd say, come, Dennis, come, come to the, the car here. I got something for you. And he would take out a sport coat. He said, you know, somebody gave this to me. I know it's not going to fit me, but I thought of you. Every time we encountered Enoch Finkley, we experienced kindness through merciful, gracious, loving, patient, generous deeds. We experienced it. I will never forget that man. I never went to his church, not one time. Only heard him preach one time, and that was at a Thanksgiving, all-community uh, Thanksgiving service. But I experienced his kindness on a regular basis. He showed an example of what true God, God's kindness is. But I think Brother Finkley was like God. In those verses that I read for you, three different verses, it's not kindness for kindness' sake. God is kind. He's merciful, gracious, loving, and patient with us because those deeds are committed to a goal. He's not being nice just to be nice. He's not being kind just to be kind. He's not being loving just to be loving. He's being loving so as to point you to salvation, to bring you salvation, to bring you to a point where you accept His amazing forgiveness. That's why He's kind. It's His kindness that points you to repentance, that leads us to repentance. Kindness has a goal, an end point. Many of you may have heard this story. I actually posted it on the, the church's Facebook page about three or four months ago. <clears throat> His name is Patrick Green. Lived in Athens, Texas. Uh, and every year, the Christian community in Athens would erect a nativity scene in the town square by the courthouse. Well, Patrick Green was an atheist in town, and he didn't think that was right. So he took the county to court, actually drawed up, filed a lawsuit saying that putting a nativity scene in a public space that was owned by the county was unconstitutional. You know how many friends Patrick Green made in the area, especially in the churches? He was a very, very unpopular person. And a lady by the name of Jessica Cryer, she, uh, she heard about him. She went to Sandy Springs Baptist Church and read about his story on the online newspaper and heard that he was a taxi driver and was losing his eyesight. And the doctor said, we may be able to fix your eyesight, but it's going to cost $20,000 an eye. He didn't have a job anymore because he couldn't drive his taxi. And this young mom 
Christian mom felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to help that atheist who hates you. So she contacted her pastor and says, I think we need to help him. So the pastor, Reverend Graham, called up Patrick and said, we hear you've uh, lost your eyesight and you've lost your job and is there anything we can do to help? And he said, well, I don't even know if I'm going to have the surgery because the doctors say it can't help. So not, I'm not asking for $20,000. I'm not asking for anything, actually. But if you want to help, we could really use some groceries. So the pastor said, okay, we can do that. He hung up the phone and told his wife what was happening. And they said, what? From the church? Didn't they know about your lawsuit? And then uh, he said, maybe we may get 50 bucks out of this. It may help us. Three days later, he got a check for $400 in the mail. Paid his rent. And the checks didn't stop there. The Christian community in Athens, Texas, rallied around this atheist and began to shower him with gifts. Began to show divine kindness to someone who didn't deserve it. Began to exhibit love, patience, mercy, and grace in a very tangible way in somebody's life. At the time of this first article in March, uh, he said he was rethinking his atheist stance. And at this point, he even said that, uh, you know, I think they can have their, uh, their nativity scene, and I'm going to buy a star. They'll have to figure out how to lie it, but I'm buying it for them. Well, in the past two months, he's actually given his heart over to the Lord. And his theology isn't quite right yet, but he says he feels a call into a ministry to share the kind of love because he says this these people are acting just just like what the Bible says a Christian should because he said before that he never experienced kindness from a Christian usually just the opposite what an indictment on us If there's any people who should be known, well, I, I can't define it, but I can see it. It's those Christians over there at Community Nazarene. They're kind. They are constantly showing mercy, grace, generosity, and love. Constantly. See, it's not about random acts of kindness. You may have heard that phrase, and it's popular these days, but it has nothing to do with randomness. It's intentional acts of kindness with a purpose in mind, a purpose of breaking down the walls that somebody has built between them and Christ. You know, Paul reminds us that our, our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and powers of the air. Evil is real. Steve Shogren wrote a book a few years ago, a spiritual warfare book, but he, he took a different stance on it. He says, I believe the most powerful tool in defeating Satan is kindness. Because there are so many people in this world whose 
hearts are so hardened by what they've experienced. That to speak the Word of God into their lives would be like banging it off a cement wall. But if you begin to show them kindness, the Holy Spirit can find a chink in the wall and begin to chisel it out a little bit. He believes in this so much that he spent his lifetime as a pastor living it out. Founder of the Vineyard Church in Cincinnati. And their whole mode of operation is kindness. Intentional kindness. Uh, Starts off with he and his staff when they put on yellow rubber gloves and take pails of cleaners into businesses and say, you got a bathroom? Can we clean it? starts with getting teams that take groceries into hard-hit areas economically and go to door-to-door and just hand them out. This got, this got them in trouble. They began to uh, feed the meters in downtown Cincinnati of those people who were about to get a ticket. They left a little card that says, we noticed your meter was hungry, so we fed it for you. And until um, they realized that that was an illegal act in the in the city of Cincinnati, and they got fined for it because the city wasn't getting any parking ticket money. Uh, (laughs) So uh, they do other things. Uh, But he says it changed their church. It changed Cincinnati. He says when they started that 15 years ago, Cincinnati was like number 58 on the, the kind meter. Charleston is number one. Cincinnati was 58 or 60. It says in the past 15 to 20 years, Cincinnati's made it up to number 14. It says because the entire Christian community in Cincinnati gives and loves people. I want to show you just a brief video from Steve. I got to see him in person one time and uh, just an amazing sense of calling when it comes to this. And at the end, he's going to invite you to, to call him. You don't have to call him. I'll give you my number at the end. If you want to call Steve, you can. Because he's free to give out his cell number to anybody. He does that. On all the kindness cards that are passed out, it's his cell number. Uh, But at the end, I want to give us a challenge as well. See if we can get this going.